Welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Very popular person on the show today. Very popular, Glenn Hasted. Welcome to the show. And I say popular because you care. Uh, you, you've... I do. And a lot of times people say lead with heart. And I've heard these things before. And I've heard, uh, I've had, I've had a lot of mentors and I've had mentors that say you can't lead with heart in the business world. Um, you, you know, it's, it's too, uh, our business world is too harsh, but I'm sure you, that has nothing to do with, uh, IT leadership and how you work internally with your team. So why don't we just, let's just start off with that because it's actually a subject that we've never, we dance around the subject of communication and collaborating and getting to know your people. And it's important to, to, to speak with your people as an IT leader. But what do you mean by the power of caring? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when we're talking about leading teams, right, especially in IT teams, we have wonderfully intelligent, creative people. And if we're not creating an environment where they feel safe, where they feel supported, where they, where they feel um, like they understand the, the objectives, what we're trying to do, and, 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 and they have the freedom to be able to get there, you're not really leveraging everything that they have. You, 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 can't, um, you can't get the benefit of all that intelligence and all that creativity and all those wonderful things um, if, they don't, if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel supported. And so what I found is when, when you really care, like when I really care about the people on my team, truly care about them, their families, their careers, um, you know, their passions, if, when I truly care about them, a lot of the stuff that I need to do to bring that out of them just happens naturally. Um, I want to support them. I want to, I want to see them grow. I want to mentor them. I want to, um, you know, back them up and, 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 uh, what, what I like to say is take the blame and pass the praise, you know, um, I want to do those things. And in, in short, I'm looking for what they're doing right, as mm. opposed to what they're doing wrong. And, and when I do that, their ideas, their creativity, their intelligence shines through and we wind up accomplishing things. I never put on the roadmap, you know, they're doing things now they're, they're, they're self-assigning themselves projects. When they're out in the field, they're building relationships with the business. They're understanding what the processes are. They're understanding, uh, more importantly, the people behind the technology. That's what I keep telling them. We're not fixing the technology. We're helping the person behind the technology. And when they do that, they're understanding the frustrations. And then they're self-assigning projects to help make that, make that person's life better. And we've seen an incredible amount of success. Um, you know, and, and that's it, you know, with that mindset. What a shame, what a shame it would be if you have a very, very creative person that can do all of that and would be willing to do that. And they were hating their life, not wanting right. to come into work. And that's not, right. And in, in, you were. <laughs> From a selfish standpoint, you're not getting any of the benefit out of this wonderfully creative person. It actually leads me to want to ask another question because I find it very difficult to find very good, creative, willing, thinking out of the box, excited, um, go-getters. Where are these people? Can you tell me where to find those people? Because 
that to me is even a bigger problem than because I'll I will I will care all day long and love you all day long if I can find that person. How do is there a way to get that creative creativity to come out of people? Or if you're not creative, you're just not creative. Well, I mean, it's kind of putting the cart before the horse, right? Because um, I know for me, um, I'm I'm an outside the box thinker, um, you know, and and I and I like to get stuff done, like a lot of people in IT do. Um, and my pro- my productivity um, in my career, when I look back at my career, it the environment that I'm in is what determines how productive I am. So I I don't think a lot of people know who they even have on their team if they don't have the right environment or right? So if I'm in an environment where I f- don't feel safe, um, where I feel uh, judged, or when I feel like uh, I can't make a mistake, I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to do what I'm told. And that's what you're going to get because I don't want to make a mistake and have that light, you know, that spotlight shine up, shout, shown on me. But if I'm in an environment where I feel safe and I, I understand the objectives, I have clear objectives, I trust the leadership to support me and things like that. Well, now they've got, I'm going to, you know, put my neck out there and I'm going to, you know, do more things. I'm going to try to innovate. I'm going to try to move things forward. And, and, you know, again, without the right environment, um, I don't know that you really know who you have on your team. So like we were hiring today. Uh, we spoke about this just a second ago. We were, we were hiring today. What we look for when we hire, um, the resume is what gets you the interview, right? So I see your skills on the interview. I, I kind of know where you're at. We're going to ask a couple of technical questions to see whether or not you're just throwing buzzwords on your resume or not. But mm. the skills are, are, to me, less important. I want the person behind that. I want to hire good people. I want good, smart people. And they're easier to find when you start talking about things like, hey, what do you look for in a manager? How do you react with teammates? How do you handle conflict? How do you, um, you know, wh- what are your aspirations in life? And, and things like that. We, we try to understand the person behind the technology, behind the person, uh, the resume, rather than the person that uh, on the resume. And I don't do the hiring. Like I have the whole team show up. If, if I, I have two different divisions and, um, one division has about 12 people. The other one has about eight. So it's a little easier with the small staff, but I grab as many of them as I can and they bring them into the interview and it's their job to pick their teammate. Mm. Right. Mm. So it, it, it's, it's hard for the person coming in. They've got this surprised panel interview, right? <laughs> yes. That but, seems fair. I, you're actually, I, I was actually having flashbacks of a couple of things, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, but but when I look at it like this, right, um, it works out better. We've had great success with it um, because uh, the people that are here that are making the decision, they now have ownership in the person that we hire because they're the ones that are telling me we want this person. And I'm telling them that we want to make sure that we're not hiring people just like the people that we already have, right? Um, we want people to think differently, uh, that attack problems differently. Um so, you know, they're they're telling me who they want to hire. When this person comes in, they have ownership in that person. And now they want to make sure that that person's successful. So they put time into training them and put effort into being available for them. Um, likewise, the person coming in, now they have they know who they're joining. 
Mm. You know, they know who they're joining. So they, they, they've already met these people. So day one, they come in, oh, I remember you from the interview. Oh, you're so-and-so and and things like that. So you're the guy that asked me the conflict question. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Conflict day one. (laughs) That's right. But it's, uh, it's fun. And, and, you know, we work really, really hard on our culture here. Um, we spend a lot of time and effort really working on our culture. And so when, when people come in, um, it's kind of fun for me because they don't, they think everyone's just acting, you know, that, you know, it's a new guy. They're, they're just acting weird around the new guy. Well, then after a couple of weeks, it's, or it's fun because you see the light bulb go on because they've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. And now it's, oh no, this is how it is. At Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, we expect to win and we expect our IT directors to win. And one of those areas where we know that we can help you win is internet service providers. As an IT director tasked with managing internet connectivity, few vendor relationships can prove more painfully frustrating than the one with your internet service provider. The array of challenges seems never ending from unreliable uptime and insufficient bandwidth to poor customer service and hidden fees. It's like getting stuck in rush hour traffic dealing with isps can try one's patience even on the best of days so whether you are managing one location or a hundred locations our back office support team and vendor partners are the best in the industry and the best part about this is none of this will ever cost you a dime due to the partnership and the sponsors that we have behind the scenes at dissecting popular it nerds let us show you how we can manage away the mediocrity and hit it out of the park. We start by mapping all of the available fiber routes, and we use our 1.2 billion in combined customer buying power in massive economy of scale to map all of your locations, to overcome construction fees, to use industry historical data, to encourage providers to compete for the lowest possible pricing, to negotiate the lowest rates guaranteed, and to provide fast response times in hours, not days. And we leverage aggregators and wholesale relationships to ensure you get the best possible pricing available in the marketplace. And on top of all of this, you get proactive network monitoring and proactive alerts so that you're not left calling 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND to enter in a ticket number and wonder, why is my internet connection down? In short, we are the partner that you have always wanted who understands your needs, your frustrations, and knows what you need without you having to ask. So we're still human, but we are some of the best and we aim to win. This all starts with a value discovery call where we find out what you have, why you have it, and what's on your roadmap. All you need to do is email internet at popularit.net and say, I want help managing all of my internet garbage. Please make my life easier and we'll get right on it for you. Have a wonderful day. I have a lot of questions that are coming up. So there's a lot of jewels uh, in this. One conflict, I don't want to get past that. What do you think, and this is for the other listeners out there, other people in IT environment, does have to be, you know, uh, of your entire career. What is maybe, you don't have to give me five, I'm just saying top five right now, but what are the number one conflicts that IT people, humans, um, run into and that, that, that stump people that trip people up that are maybe the most stress worthy, sleepless nights, 
uh, conflicts. Yeah, I mean, when you start talking about things that are you know keep us up at night, obviously cybersecurity and things like that. But the the stumbling blocks, I think, for a lot of IT people is we get caught up on the technology um, instead of looking at what the business is trying to use the technology for, instead of understanding. You know, I mean, without the rest of the business, there's really no need for IT to exist, right? We're here in most part, in most organizations, public and private, to support the organization. Without those lines of business, there's not a whole lot of reason for us. Let me rephrase this question because, yes, uh, uh, completely agree. Nothing in the, in the in, well, first of all, and on the flip side, nothing in the business gets done without technology nowadays. Absolutely. No, no one communicates without a piece of technology. I mean, they mm-hmm. might. I mean, if we're walking out and we're, you know, I, I don't know, jumping on a horse or something. I mean, it is possible. Maybe Plymouth Plantation. Um, yeah, but what's important is the relationships that you have with business. If, we, if I have a relationship with um, the people on the front lines, the managers in the back, and I work really hard to understand their business processes as well as somebody who doesn't use them every day can, right? Not my, not how what I think of their business process. I actually go and spend time with them. Hey, show me, show me how this works. Let me hear your frustrations, right? When we have those type of relationships, um, then we can get the benefit out of it, right? Now, now, not only do I have an endless project list um, for us to get things done. Um, we also have great goodwill. Like I can walk into any department here. Uh, we have uh, close to 30 different lines of business. I can, any of my staff walks into any department, everybody's happy to see them. Mm. Yeah, which is not necessarily And they the know case who they places. are. Not only that, they actually they know, know who they are. Absolutely. How many companies have I worked for where I was like, I don't really, I don't even know, I have no clue who, who IT is. I just know there's right. a help. I just know there's a help desk. And I, and I imagine that, that it's no. a bunch of, I imagine that it's a bunch of like, you know, humming and hawing guys that are replacing old think pads. I'm just thinking of a particular situation where my very first day of a new job, I dropped my laptop on the ground and cracked it like day one within hours of working at the company. I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Culture. Yeah. I would say with extreme confidence, because I have the data, that the majority, majority, the majority of IT departments do not have a living, breathing mission statement, vision, or I don't know, group of roles and responsibilities that people play that are in alignment with the business. True or false? Uh, I think they're probably true. Absolutely. And that's a mistake. Yeah. It's not a mistake. And it's a mistake. It could just be laziness. It could just be, we'll get a, we'll never get around to it, but sounds like a good idea. What can people, what's your culture and what can people do today? They listening to this episode right now. What can they do right now that a selfishly speaking, makes this podcast so bloody worthwhile to listen to. Mm -hmm. But what can they do right now to go in and implement some kind of culture that has a significant impact on 
our lives or people and we go home at the end of the day, you know what? I really love this job. And then it impacts the company right. at the same time. Right. Because your culture is how your people feel Sunday night with Monday morning coming. Right. Yeah. So like me, I have eight children and two grandchildren. So I'm, right. I don't care what Monday it is. I'm just glad it's Monday. That's right. What's that's my culture? Right. And, and that says a lot about my culture at home. <laughs> no. That's right. But I mean, so joking, the, honey. I, I mean, I mean, the hack, right? The hack for this is look, you know, spend three months looking for what people are doing right instead of what they're doing wrong. Catch people right? doing something it, right. Catch people. We used to say that. Catch them doing it right, right? Because yeah. think about it like this, right? Your, your objectives, right? If I um, correct you, if I bring you into my office uh, and, I, and I, you've been doing something I don't need you doing or not as well or whatever. I bring you into my office. We have a conversation. I correct it. I have fixed one person, right? Meanwhile, if I praise you for doing something right, I'm going to do that in public. And so I get everybody within earshot. I get more bang for my buck doing positive reinforcement than I do negative. And every time I do positive reinforcement, when I do that praise, it's nothing more then defining the objectives more clearly for you, just like it was if I brought you into my office and corrected you. That's all I'm doing is correcting, is, is defining the objectives, which are your mission, your vision, and your values. Your mission is, what are you trying to do? What is this group here for? Right? For us, one of the first things I did was change our mission. And our mission changed to wanting to be a partner with all the business lines, the lines of business here. I didn't want to just support them. I wanted to be a partner with them. When they have an initiative, I want to be part of it. I wanted to be the, uh, the best supporting actor for the movie about their success, right? And that's, and that's how I saw it. And so we wanted to do that. And so when, I'm, when I see people doing things towards that and I'm praising it, everybody within earshot hears that. And they go, oh, I want to, oh, that's what he's talking about. Or, or that's what that looks like. And, and they start moving in that direction. And, and when you can get that going, right? So, and it, and it, does, and it happens by me looking for what they're doing right. Mm. The best part is, too, is when you get them doing that to each other. Now they care about each other as well. I mean, I can't yeah. look for what you're doing right all day and not care about you. Mm. And the same is true for them. If they're looking for what each other is doing right all day, it's hard to not care about it, uh, you know, over time. It just happens, right? Mm. But you have to define what you want that culture to be. You have to define what is acceptable uh, as far as behavior and what isn't, which is just your value statement, right? If you have a high-performing jerk, that high-performing jerk is going to do more harm to the overall organization than the good that he's doing by being really good at what he does because that person is going to drop the productivity of everyone else around them more than his productivity exceeds theirs. And so, you know, it's important that we have people that are, you know, good people. I'll take average people that are good people over uh, rock stars that are jerks all day, every day, and I'll outperform them all day, every day. Tools. What are the tools that we can remember to put this in place? Little 
stickers everywhere when you get up in the morning you've got like a a a sharpie that's written on your mirror catch people's doing something right today um i don't know you've got who was it i can't remember i took a course a long time ago where the guy had an attitude pin and it was like he put the attitude pin on his right collar so it was have the right attitude this all sounds cheesy but you know it's like you know daily daily affirmations and things that we need to put in place to help uh remember to do this because yeah. I don't know. It's like, it's a habit. It takes, it's, you know, hard. it's hard to form. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's conceptually easy, but it's very hard, uh, you know, procedurally. Did you have any and tools yeah, or I, things you put in place or things that you like, yeah. I don't know. I had sticky notes on my desk reminding me to do things all day, every day. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, after six to nine months, it became second nature and didn't need them anymore. Um, but I had them there and I would look at them all the time, just like you have your to-do list. You have your to-do list and you keep looking at it to make sure you're not missing something. Um, and then every time you look at your to-do list, you go, oh yeah, that's right. Let me, let me send that email. Let me do whatever that is. Right. So it's the same as that. It's just, it's a behavior reminder because what a lot of people don't realize is that the culture of the team is driven by the leader of the team. Right. So I'm only going to get what I'm putting out. If my team isn't performing right, then I've got to look at what I'm doing that's leading them to perform in that way. You know, I've got to, I've got to look at that. I've got to look at myself in the mirror and say, what, why is this happening? What am I doing that's causing this to happen? Or what am I allowing that's causing this to happen? Um, the, the, I mean, the analogy I use is if I took a group of people, put them on an island, and said, hey, you're completely safe. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to work on amenities, uh, food, lodging, things like that. I put them on an island, and there's a predator prowling around. Now the activities are completely different. Now they're establishing watch schedules and building walls and building weapons, right? I'm that lion. I'm that predator, right? So if I'm creating that safe environment, then I get the productivity I want. If I don't, if I'm not creating that safe environment, then I'm just getting a reaction to it. How does that apply to executive leadership and executive management? It's it's kind of a it, it, it's a flip. It's like how okay, so that that's how you manage your internal team. How do right. you manage your upward mobility? So. Uh, Here's a here's a problem that a lot of people that are listening to this show may relate to. They may re- they may be in a cost center pigeonholed as IT is um, just a, again a, a cost center keeping the the blinking lights on, and so that level of catching people doing something right really isn't happening to them. They're kind of in this like negative environment, but mm-hmm. got to go, got to, got to put food on the table, got to keep the lights on. So That's have right. you ever been in a situation where you've been able to turn that around and how can you coach up or influence up? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, that's what we did here. Um, you know, it was keeping the lights on and that's what they were doing. Um, what you have to do is understand it's empathy, right? It's empathy in both directions. If I'm empathetic to my boss, right, to the people above me, I'm trying to understand what their needs are. I'm trying to understand what their challenges are. I'm trying to understand what they what they're looking for. So you know what I do is, um, you know, if IT is a cost center, and this is what I tell my team: if IT is a cost center, we screwed up. Then they need to outsource us because it'll be cheaper, right? Instead, IT needs to be an innovation, a source of innovation. We need to drive innovation for the entire 
organization. And we can't do that if we don't have relationship with all the organizations. So the very first thing is if you build relationship with the entire organization, you start to hear the frustrations, you start to hear where the problems are, and then you proactively resolve them and move things forward and help the organization succeed. That's what drives your, 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 uh, that's what gives you the juice, uh, above you. That's what gives you that, 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 um, that power, now I don't want to say power, but that's what gives you that recognition, right? Um, if I'm just doing what they're telling me up above, then yeah, I'm a robot. You know, they didn't hire me for that. You know, they hired me to, to change it, to get things done. So, but I can't change it if I don't understand it. So I have to get out. I have to understand it. And then I have to look for ways to make things better and just make it happen. And if I have to, I'll make a sales pitch, but I mean, Public speaking is really important because you have to be able to sell your ideas, yourself, your projects uh, to upper management. You have to understand how to do a return on an, uh, investment analysis. You know, how much is this costing? How much is it uh, costing if we don't do it? What's the total cost of ownership of this technology and, and things like that? I'm thinking of putting so together have- a dictionary. I'm thinking of putting together a business IT dictionary for the show. And I've got AI scrubbing all of the shows right now for keywords and everything. But sure. isn't it amazing how just a few well-placed words make all the difference? Capital yeah. expenditure. Yeah. Capital expenditure. Well, I mean, as long as How much does it cost? Wrong. You know, no, just use yeah, yeah, as long AI, as how much it's going to cost. No, just use capital expenditure. Um, right. You know, it's going to cost. Right, but you can't such do a it. No, 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 no. Say operational expense. You this is going to affect like EBITDA. The... <laughs> yeah, but how many times have you interviewed someone in technology and they come in and throw some buzzwords at you and you go, you have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. Right? You still got to understand it. Yes. Yes, you do. But what I'm saying is, if you need to do that, you know, I don't know what public speaking. Uh, we've 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 heard it referred to as dog and pony show. We've heard what are some of the what are some of the other? I just love yeah, the, the, the things that get thrown out. Uh, a single pane of glass. Um, you know, <laughs> how much? Yeah, yeah. The cloud say, was used for many years. Everything what's, was what's on the single pane of what's what's on the single yeah. pane of glass. Uh, so it does help to be able to speak effectively. Uh, yes, you must get the business crash course, which by the way, the, the, uh, my book speaking the language of business, which is, it is officially done. I'm waiting to hit print and to send it out to people. It does have a chapter that's like the crash course on, uh, selling to executive management, which does have, you know, return on investment and the five yeah. things that they need to know and breaking it down simple. Like don't go in there and glaze people over. Well, you know, we're gonna net port forwarding and uh, and S, you know, and and WAN ports and and different, you know, fifty-two port POE switches, and uh, we're gonna do this and that. You know, I like I don't know whatever. I'm just throwing. I don't. What else could we say out there that would be you know glaze people over and you know our stack is gonna be is gonna be upgraded? No. Uh, here's the deal, guys. Uh, we're selling this much now. We're gonna be able to sell this much more. This is how much we're making now. We're gonna save this much, and we're gonna make this much more money. Here's the bottom line. And if you spend this much money with us, we're going to deliver on this in three months or less. That's right. I mean, what does Einstein say? If you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't really understand it. Mm. Well, that's you know, and it's not their job to be tech. They're not technology people, right? That's not their job. Right. And we're expecting them to be technology people. Um, 
So, you know, you have to be able to translate to what they do and what they do understand. Do you have a good example of a, I turned a cost center around into a thriving cultural um, IT utopia? Right here. Right here. Why not? <laughs> talk, to yeah, me. talk to me because it's North yeah. Carolina and no, re- yeah, no North wonder Carolina. why everyone's moving to North Carolina. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, North Carolina, right? We had an IT shop. We're supporting about 1,300 users. We had five IT people when I walked in the door. They were barely able to keep the lights on. They weren't able to move things forward. Oh, gosh. Five is wait. That was the worst case scenario. If I scrub the data, if I scrub the data on everyone that we've interviewed, the average IT staff to end user, I love saying end user, uh, bots, just numbers on the end of an endpoint. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Human souls. Human souls residing right. within residing within a, a warm culture of catching people doing things right. Uh those people, uh the average IT staff to uh end user ratio is one to a hundred. So that means for every hundred end users, you've got one IT staff. So in your case, you should have at least 13, but five is really undercutting it. Now, I'm gonna, now I'm gonna put you on now I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you how how big your staff is. Now it's 12. See? Right? Yeah, Dead now on the we're, now, yeah, One now to we're 12. Okay. Absolutely. And, and you're but, hiring. But, and you're hiring. And you're hiring. Well, that's on the that's on the on the GIS side. But yeah. Okay. okay. We um but in, in IT, yeah, that's um, but that it's not just that. The only reason I could get them to add the staff was through success. Mm. Right. Um, the, their management is not going to invest in anything that isn't successful, right? So when I came in, um, we had those five people. We immediately changed how IT worked. We immediately put the focus on uh, the lines of business, put the focus on the relationships with the with the departments. Can you break we that down? And I, I don't mean sure. to interrupt you. I'm very sorry, but I want to break that down. I want I kind of want you to just paint a picture for me. I came okay. in and whatever you're allowed to say, uh, whatever you're allowed to say within reason. You know. Yeah, we deployed Microsoft 365 was one of the first things we did as soon as I walked in. So right? are you telling me you had an exchange server? Yeah, we had an exchange server and then we're moving to Microsoft in the cloud. Okay. But we didn't just low move everything fruit. easy, low hanging fruit, right? But it was how we did it. But the culture, yeah, I want to hear the culture piece. Yeah, it was how we did it, right? When we did it, we went and met with all the departments, understood what their challenges were, what access databases or what things they had out there that might be challenging when we moved to 365. We scheduled it around their business because not we don't know when is a good time and when is a bad time for them. We scheduled it around their business. We did um, trainings. We went and I did trainings for a year and a half, myself personally. And I did three trainings a year in in various locations, teaching people how to use Outlook on the cloud, how to use OneDrive, how to use uh, OneNote, Teams, all these things. And I would do these classes, but these classes were more like infomercials, really. I mean, I showed them how to do things, but it was all about building a relationship with the user. They would come up and they would un- they would say, oh, well, yeah, but I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. Oh, okay, let's talk about that. You know, and and we sent them, um, you have to communicate three times more than you think you do. That's my standing rule, standing rule, right? So I they got, before they went live, 
um, they got four emails from me in their inbox over time uh, saying, hey, don't forget you're going live on, on the cloud on this day. And, and here's some training, a link to some training at the bottom. And we're going to do this training and be there. And, and boom, 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 three or four of those. And then they got two or three after that. Mm. And we were in their office and we were talking to them um, and, and, and explaining how everything was going. And, and I'm a big believer in Carter's uh, leading change, right? He was a, a Harvard business um, professor and he did, has a great book out there on leading change. And, and I'm a big believer of that. And I had to build stakeholders in this. So we actually wound up having people in the business doing change using the technology that we brought that we never saw coming. We had attorneys that now were using OneNote uh, for their case notes and things like that. Uh, it was, you know, it's fantastic, you know, oh, yeah. and, and it was all through through that through build, you know, that that relationship centered approach in deploying the technology. Whereas before technology got deployed, they came in, they said, "Hey, we're doing this, and we're going to do it on this day." Everything turned into a pumpkin on that day, and nobody How did saw you it. sell that? How did you sell the exchange servers kind of paid for to a monthly licensing fee? How did you sell well, that ahead of time? And and trust me, guys, it's going to be awesome. I mean, and, right. and followed it up with the with all the. I mean, there must have been a way to rob Peter to pay Paul or something like that in the license. Yeah, fee. that that actually they they were kind of moving in that direction just before I walked in the door. They had kind of made that case to themselves. But how I would do it, and how I've told other people when uh, if I'm mentoring them, is it's not just moving mail to the cloud, right? It's SharePoint and everything SharePoint, we've been sold SharePoint can be, it's all that for real. Like I've been sold SharePoint for years. Okay. But SharePoint up in the cloud is what I've been, what I was told in the 90s SharePoint was going to be. Okay. Uh, I got to know. I got to know. What, what's the thing that, what is it? I, I got to know. Like what's so special? Right. Well, so think about it, right? Data is so siloed. I don't want to call it siloed. Like cylinders of excellence, right? <laughs> they have data, <laughs> right? That's Their data is so That's a new one. I, I, the other day I sold shadow IT is a good thing. Shadow IT is a good thing. Uh, I, I can't remember what it was because shadow IT you have to do in order to get executive management when they're pigeonholed and think you're a cost center um, to accept the thing. So go secretly tell someone to go do a bunch of shadow IT and then say, hey, see how great this is? Now we have it. Yeah. But, that's um, one way to do it. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's one way to do it. Cylinders of excellence. Okay. Yeah. So you know, but you know, the data is stored locally, and and all these other things. It's incredibly hard to share information when everything is on site. True. Right. It, it's incredibly hard. So we we wanted to build. Uh, you know, we're a government agency, so we have our our customers are the citizens. You know, um, so you, you want to reach the citizens, you have to be able to share information. You want to work with mm. local organizations, nonprofits, whatever it is, you have to be able to share information internally and externally. And if you want to break down those silos in between the business, they have to be able to share information and share it easily. SharePoint like is honestly the easiest way to do it. Yeah. I like to beat up on Google a little bit. What's the difference between that and, um, I don't know, Google Drive? No, not, I mean, it's just different flavors of the same 
drink. I was hoping you're going to beat him. I was hoping you're going to beat up Google and say, yeah, I mean, no, I, OneDrive I like, is so much better. <laughs> no. Well, the, the the thing I like about the thing I like about the 365 suite over the Google suite is everybody knows how to use the Office suite. Yes, and it's so tightly integrated. With Most everything IT that's staff there. is used with I don't know whatever it's Active Directory or whatever. Most people like if you throw sure. someone all of a sudden a Google admin portal, they're kind of like, ah, man, what the heck? How do I do this? Yeah, the Microsoft stuff is really good at integrating with itself, <laughs> um, and they and their tools are ubiquitous. You know, everybody knows how to use Word and Excel. You know, they learn how to use it in school. Uh, do they, they generally are not getting trained on how to use you know sheets in school. Uh, I'm just gonna hit my head on this microphone for a second. Um, so step one, new IT director coming into a role. Yeah, pick the low hanging fruit that you yep. know they have to say yes to pretty much. Yeah, because even though you said, "Oh, it would be nice, it'd be great to go," and everyone, you know, the truth is, it's it's a it's a matter. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when you move migrate to Microsoft 365. Because if you're on an Exchange server, it's it's gonna happen. And so we've picked a low hanging fruit. Now let's make that as successful as possible and show the power of communication and building our culture and and doing all these things for people and 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 showing something that is just, you know, get in their normal daily life and habits and and make their habits all um to use one of these words um that you would use in an executive management meeting, unification, unified, unified communications. Yeah, I'm kind of use as as s pass. I'm here there's a million of them now. Uh right. so excellent. And how is it cylinders delivered? Why cylinders of excellence? Can you please explain that a little bit? Because if I've got a really bad silo, say I did this quiz years ago, it was called the telecom time bomb quiz. And I'm sure there's a lot of PBXs that are still out there yeah. that are ticking time bombs. That's why I called it a time bomb. And yeah, cylinders, like, oh. cylinders of excellence. What if it's not a cylinder of excellence? How? T- tell me how my silo. How- so cylinders of excellence, you talk about, we talk about people being siloed, right? Oh, people um, being solid, but what about an or, or organizations or departments? And okay, even, okay. It doesn't matter. Okay. Right. Uh, if I have IT and I've got a networking team, a desktop team, and a server team, and they're all not communicating, they may be doing great things, but they're not doing as good of things as they could do if they work together. Yeah. Cylinders you know, of excellence. Cylinders of excellence. You can do great things. Uh, it's not saying that you're not doing great things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you're not doing as good as you could. So then what, then what do we do? Create a funnel? No, I mean, what's the metaphor? So what's the, the what's the bigger metaphor then? So we've got all these cylinders of excellence. Um, I don't know, like uh, you, you might have a 16 cylinder Jaguar and it's, it's, it's running around, but it, as you know, like it doesn't take much for that to break down and cost you a lot of money. Right. Right. But you know, are, 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 are the leaders modeling the collaboration that's needed? Mm. Right. Um, th- that was something else that happened here is when I walked in, we had uh, four of the people that were really just doing brake fix all day. That's all they did. They yep. ran around with the hair on fire doing brake fix. And we had one person that was um, able to do some projects and move things forward. Um, when I got here, we changed the focus from brake fix to I wanted to, first of all, in- introduce some efficiencies to try to reduce that brake fix down to as much white noise as, you know, just. A little bit of white noise in the day. I mean, it doesn't go anywhere, but let's try to reduce it and, and manage it. Mm-hmm. 
And then when we have that extra time, let's devote that time to moving the organization forward and doing projects. And when we're doing projects, we're going to do them together. That's something that that we're going to do. And when I have, when I create an environment where I have, um, I put the team success over individual success. Right. Right. And and I, when I praise you, I praise you on how your effort helped the team as opposed to how you did something great, mm-hmm. right? And I and I talk about the team and how the team is the most important thing, and our team is going to be the best, and our team, and our mm-hmm. team, and our team. Now it's not you doing something; it's the team doing something. And when we have our stand up and we stand up here and we talk and say, "Hey, this is what you know the project I'm working on. This is where we're at with it," and yada yada. You don't want to be the one to say no movement, right? Because then you're letting the team down. You have that peer accountability too. I mean, if our our team has been recognized in the top 10 in the nation for the last seven years running. I've been here eight. They've been rock- recognized in the top 10 in the nation the last seven years. This year also, they've been recognized for innovation and leadership best in the state um, by Europolar. So Glenn. they're doing things. Glenn. Yeah. Congratulations. That's good. No, I'm, I'm with, with all, with all being completely genuine. I'm being completely genuine. That's actually pretty moving. Yeah. No, it really is. I can, because I can see that I I can see that and I can feel that. And I, and I can, I can feel what it must be like to be someone on your team. I'm not trying to uh, praise you to your face or anything like that. I'm just happy for the people that uh, work with you. Oh, thanks. But I mean, really, what what we did is we had a problem. I forget what it was, um, but they were used to whoever was in charge fixing that problem, right? And instead, I brought them into the conference room and I said, "Hey, uh, what do you guys think we should do?" You know, and and they were like, "Never been asked this question before, right?" <laughs> when you ask someone, "What do you think we should do?" What, what do you do? You're valuing their opinion. You're valuing their knowledge. You're valuing them as a person. When I bring you into my office and I talk to you about your career plan and I say, hey, where do you want to be in the next five, 10 years? What do you want your business card to say when you retire? I'm valuing you as a person. I'm caring about you as a person. And when I do those things, you give me your undying devotion and you also give me 100% of who you are. And and you want to be there and you want to do things because you know what? You got someone that's looking out for you. You got someone that's helping you, that's trying to move you forward, that's trying to mentor you, that's trying to make you better, that, that helps you with your learning process and your growing process, provides you opportunities to do projects and be seen and, and give you that visibility so that you can get moved up and move ahead or move move to another organization and succeed or whatever it is. This has been more life altering than I expected it to be. And sometimes it's the the simple questions that are placed right at the right place in time that can make a big difference. It seems like a simple question, what do you think we should do? It's a very simple question, but when placed right at the right time can have an exponential effect on an organization. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, this is Phil Howard, founder of Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. I just want to take a few minutes to address something. It has become fairly apparent, I'm sure all of you will agree, over the years 
that slow vendor response, vendor response times, vendors in general, the the average is mediocre. Support is mediocre. Mediocrity is the name of the game. Not only is this a risk to your network security, because I've seen vendors on numerous occasions share sensitive information, but there's also a direct correlation to your budget and your company's bottom line. Not to mention the sales reps that are trying to sell you and your CEO and your CFO on a daily basis. That causes a whole nother realm of problems that we don't have time to address. Our back office program at Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, we've put together specifically for IT leadership, and it's on a mission to eliminate this mediocrity. And the best part is that we're doing this in a way that will not cost your IT department a dime. So if you'd like us to help you out, get better pricing, better support, and jump on pressing issues in minutes, not days, then contact us now so we can get on a, a call with you and conduct a value discovery session where we find out what you have, why you have it, and where you want to go and how we can improve your your life, your IT department, and your company's bottom line. What you're going to end up with is, number one, just faster support from partners who care about your organization's uptime and bottom line. And because you're going to be able to access our $1.2 billion in combined buying power, you'll be able to benefit uh, significantly from historical data. And on top of that, you'll also benefit from the skills of hundreds of on-demand experts that we have working behind the scenes that are all attached to our back office support program. So if you'd like, again, none of this is ever going to cost you a dime. At the very least, it's going to open your, your eyes to what's possible. Let our back office team provide you the high touch solutions and support that your IT team deserves so that you can stop calling 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND for support. Now, if you're wondering, what does this apply to? This applies to your ISPs, your telecom providers, all your application providers, whether you're a Microsoft shop or a Google shop, what you might be paying for AWS, even Azure, co-location space, any of those vendors that you're paying a monthly bill to, we can help you with. Hey, it's Greg, the Frenchman secretly managing the podcast behind the curtain. To request your one-on-one -on -one call, contact us at internet at popularit.net. And remember, it will never cost you a dime. I don't know where to go from here. I think we should just end it here. So I'm going to end with a fun question, which I don't, maybe it's fun, maybe it's not. What did you do before the internet? What, uh, you know, what was your first computer? How did you get started in this? Yeah, so my uncle... Uh, worked for IBM, and my dad bought an IBM PC XT using his employee discount. And so we had this green screen with two five-inch floppies and, you know, 30-something K of RAM. And, um, you know, when I was messing around on it, I was looking to play games, honestly, uh, but I would mess around on it. Doesn't it seem um, weird that that was in your lifetime? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it well, seem weird? It's really what? weird. Do people not realize this? I, I almost, it's, it's almost like I wake up every day and I'm like, this is just, it's a crazy world that we live in now. You had a green screen with two floppy disks. Yes. Yeah. And, and in high school, actually, I was, uh, this is funny. This is where I learned um, that I wasn't a good manager. I was a manager at a McDonald's and I realized um, I was a really poor manager. And that's what really started my, 
thing, my my journey into leadership later on in life. When um, yeah, it's the pain of everyone hating you. Yeah, exactly right. And it's and the going was, home and realizing, like, I'm such a jerk. I'm, I'm not horrible. a good. Yeah. I'm not a good oh. person, and I don't. And all these people hate me. Why am I? <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. And and uh, and when I was getting promoted again, I said, No, I'm not doing that again. I want to be the best manager I could be. And I consumed everything I could on leadership, right? But my my start in IT, though, um, over the summers, um, after I left that McDonald's job, um, I was a senior in high school, and I took my summer, and I was working at Bank of uh, a Bank of America affiliate in New York City as an intern, uh, swapping out. I, I was installing uh, PS2s, micro, uh, you know, PS2s and an not IBM thirty. <laughs> no, no, the old PS2 uh, micro channel, yeah, you know, two eighty six machines, and 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 supporting an IBM thirty two seventy um, coax based uh, mainframe network and, and things like that as an intern because it was easy. It was computer stuff. It was easy to me. Mm-hmm. And then I went to school, uh, and I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. I didn't want to do computers. I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. And then I realized how much calculus was involved. And I said, no, no. And, and, I and how this. few and how few of people in the world are actually that genius to do such a thing. It was crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I moved to computer science because, again, computer was really easy for me. So I, I became a programmer in a, um, at an insurance company, a health insurance company up in New York. Um, and then, you know. They put in a Ethernet network, a Novell network, and I, you know, I said, "All right, yeah, I'll I'll do that," and I wound up doing that, and then I and then I wound up getting into local go because my daughter was born, and um, I kept getting on a plane, and I wanted to be home, so um, I went from a Novell network to a Microsoft network, and there's a that? lot to that. There's a lot to that. There's, yep. there's a lot to that story. One, I've told many people go get a job at Burger King or get a job at a high paced. Um, for yep. me, it was Starbucks. For that, it was fast casual Italian at Fazoli's. It was Jim's Wings. It was, I mean, teriyaki walk. Um, mm-hmm. Get a job at a, a managerial job at a high paced retail establishment where you've got high turnover and a bunch of people working for you all the time and you'll learn a lot real quick. You'll get an MBA real quick versus that business class you took in college, which can't teach you any of that. Oh, absolutely. Sleep, I learned sleepless nights and soulless, soulless, you know, like <laughs> people yeah. just, you're the, you're a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> you learn really fast what not to do. Uh, you know, there's a lot to that. So it has been uh, an absolute pleasure having you on the show. If there was one piece of advice that you could send out there to your fellow IT brethren and these one to 2% of women that work in our industry, which is another topic for another show, uh, what would that be? You know, um, pay attention to the person behind the technology. That That's really, that's where the win is. When you, when you spend time uh, worrying about the challenges of the person behind the technology, you win. Um, just like if you start to look for what you people are doing right, you'll win as a leader. Mm. Glenn, Glenn Hasted, thank you so much for being on Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Yeah, thank you, sir, for having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>